Hey everyone, welcome to the Referral Candy Podcast. This is your host, Raul Galera. It is a pleasure for me to be here one more week, especially since I have a very special episode prepared for you guys. If you're not familiar with our webinars and panel discussions, I encourage you to go to try.referralcandy.com slash webinars and check out all the different events that we host here at Referral Candy. I always like to surround myself with different experts that can provide insights on how to grow e-commerce businesses, and this is what we did in our last panel discussion. For this one, I invited Whitney Blankenship and Ed Plotz. Whitney, which at the time she was transitioning from her former position as a head of content marketing at e-commerce nation to her new role as a content marketer at Divid, and Ed, who is a senior growth strategist at one of the top growth agencies in New York City, Ladder.io. They both have a lot of experience consulting for e-commerce businesses, although they have different backgrounds and different focus. Witness experience is more related to content marketing, while Ed specializes in growth strategies and paid advertising. My first question for both of them was, what are marketing tactics that have worked for you in the past? And this is what they said. Okay, um, well, like I said before, I am really, really, really into content. I'm really into um, the how do that ropes in with social media. So my thought is for an e-commerce, if you, if you don't have a blog, you're missing out. You're missing out on all of this wonderful SEO. You're missing out on an amazing level of copy that will not only bring your customers in, but answer the questions that they have about your products, about your business, and how they can best use your products to make their lives easier. If you're not using content, uh, it's really kind of the time to get into it. Yes, I agree with me. Actually, do you have, in your experience, do you have any tips uh, for maybe new e-commerce businesses that are struggling to prioritize where they put their efforts and their spend? Um, blogging, I think you're like right on the money, but sometimes it's a uh, it's it's difficult to consider. Uh, you know, do do we hire a, a blog person specifically? Do we you know do I does the owner have time to write a blog? How do we do this right? Um, yeah, I'm just curious on your thoughts on that. It's a problem Absolutely. I often run into. Absolutely. Um, I think that if you don't have the time, then you need to put the money in. If you don't have the money, then you need to put the time in. And I think that that is the exact case with everything in life. If you don't have time to clean your house, pay somebody to do it. If you don't, if you can't pay somebody to clean your house, clean your house. Like it's it, that's yeah. just you know. Um, and I think that uh, the biggest tip that I can give people, give new entrepreneurs who are starting their online business, start from your product. Ask your, create a marketing persona, look it up, Google it, and, and figure out exactly who's purchasing your product, who needs your product, what are their problems, and how can you respond to that? And if you don't have time to make the content, to purchase the content, there's tons of platforms like Fiverr or Text Broker or really any of these little blogging sort of platforms where you can actually get people, you can syndicate this content to other people, pay them not you know, a whole, whole lot of money and get at least, you know, a starting point, a starting article where you can actually improve it and you can adapt it and you can make it into quality content. 
However, I think that if you're going to do it right and you're going to have a great content strategy, then you need to have somebody who knows how to do this and you need to have somebody who is dedicated to doing this. That's just my thought on it. That's really, and I can, I, I can vouch for the same thing. At Ladder, we often use Fiverr or Upwork to outsource some other tasks. And I think that an e-commerce business who's really strapped for cash, but wants to get on a blog and maybe is also strapped for time, be a great idea to leverage Fiverr or Upwork to at least get like a draft to you and get, you know, get blog posts that you can then polish to your brand's uh, specifications. I think that's awesome. Uh, some things I've actually personally found from a, a performance marketing side of things. Uh, I mean, some things I think like dynamic retargeting, retargeting in general, people have probably heard of that before. Uh, dynamic retargeting is particularly powerful and I feel like it's getting easier and easier to actually set up, which is nice. Facebook's been, been good on that front, but the unique power of dynamic retargeting is that it's, it's very catered to the user. So whether you set it up on a page view basis, as in, you know, they viewed a product, but didn't add to cart, uh, or you can get more, more specific and maybe they added something to cart, but didn't purchase. Um, and you have all the segmentation options of the ad platform at your disposal to further improve performance of these dynamic retargeting campaigns. So that way, not only are you showing the right products to the right people, but you can segment further by, you know, maybe you have a campaign that's dedicated to users from a one to seven day period, and then you have something different for eight to 14 days and so on. Um, you can segment by device. So just getting, taking the, the general segmentations that you would normally do across your ad performance, um, applying that to dynamic retargeting can be quite powerful and really make the most of your spend. Um, retargeting is also probably one of the safer bets if you're just getting into paid advertising and you're scared of like, I don't want to spend my money on an audience or I don't, I've never done this before. Is this creative going to work? I often, I'm part of you know, various Facebook groups and I often see people like posting feedback on this ad here and there. Oftentimes it's, I, I find it's really not about like getting, getting one ads super right. It's, it's about getting a couple ads kind of right and then finding out where the traction is. Uh, and just kind of continuing that momentum. Um, so when you when you have when you're scared to embark on that that prospecting process, retargeting is often a very user friendly and easier way to get into paid advertising and start getting an ROI, start actually getting a return on your investment right off the bat. So you can make safer bets and saying like, okay, I know this is working. Now let's start seeing if we can prospect with it. Okay, let's make a quick pause here because there's something I would like to to mention. Um, obviously, Whitney was very focused in content marketing, and I, I totally agree. Uh, content marketing it's a very rich um, marketing channel that you can implement on your online store because um, you are attracting new customers, but at the same time you are educating them on your product and what's behind your your brand and what's behind your uh, your company and your product. So it's it's very interesting, and you can uh, get your customers very well informed about what you're doing, and you can provide very interesting content, which is also going to uh, be very easy to share on social media. So you're going to increase the the outreach of your of your brand uh, at a very cost effective way. Um, on the other side, obviously, uh, Ed was talking about um, paid advertising and uh, more specifically, it's something I actually wanted to to bring up. So I was actually happy that um, Ed brought it up is the fact that you can use dynamic retargeting uh, to create 
ad campaigns that are going to drive the right traffic to your store and they're going to increase um, your uh, conversion rates. And so if you want to learn more about Facebook ads retargeting, I recommend you to check out our episode number three, where we talk to Reza Gajavi, who's the founder and CEO of Shoelace.com. Shoelace.com, it's a Shopify app that allows merchants to uh, put their retargeting campaigns on autopilot so they don't have to worry about it. It's basically the equivalent of hiring an expert. So I recommend you to check it out because Reza, uh, it's one of the biggest experts in uh, Facebook ads retargeting that I've had the pleasure to talk to. So uh, I really recommend you guys to check out the episode number three of the Referral Candy podcast so you can understand the, the science behind retargeting and things that you need to keep in mind before you start uh, working with this type of ads. So um, anyway, just wanted to pause to let, let you know that this is content that is available for you. Um, so I'm going to continue with the rest of Ed's answer to the question, what are marketing strategies that have worked for you in the past? Here's what they both said. And it's, I think it's a good, also, I mean, this maybe goes into uh, a, another question in terms of like best practices or things that people often, often forget about. But I think, especially when you're looking at retargeting, that's why it's important to consider an attribution window. Um, something a little bit maybe more advanced for, for someone just getting into this, but I think it's important to consider because people are often looking at Google Analytics for like performance and saying, oh man, Facebook's not working. Um, where the reality is, is that most people aren't going to see a Facebook ad in newsfeed and then just immediately buy it. So last click attribution, which is what Google Analytics is, is often not the best case for judging performance of your ad campaigns. Um, now I wouldn't say, you know, you have to go extremely out there, like 30 day attribution is certainly safe, but you can go less than that. Anything more than 30 days is certainly a stretch. And I think it's probably just giving more benefit to the ad platform. Um, but yeah, I, I've just found that attribution windows are something to, to very much keep in mind that I think the Google or the Facebook pixel is automatically set to like a 28 day click through window, which is pretty proper for, for anyone just embarking on this. Um, but know that when you're looking at your campaigns in an ad platform, it, it's certainly use the ad platform metrics to judge like, is there traction here? Is this messaging working? You know, is my cost per acquisition appropriate? And then when you're looking at a reporting basis, maybe on a monthly basis, then you can jump into Google Analytics and say, this is exactly how much we've gotten on a last click model. Um, but it's important to see that maybe these people interacted with Facebook first, discovered you, and then came in, you know, a week or two later through direct traffic. Like that's certainly something that I think a, a new e-commerce business or, or, or someone that's, that's kind of new to the game should, should very much keep in mind. This is exactly right. And I mean, it, it's, I think there was something, I think at, um, at Paris Retail Week, we just, we just saw a couple of people talking about this exact thing, the attribution window and saying, okay, well, how many touch points will a customer typically take to get from the first time they interact with your brand to purchase? And I think the I think the average amount of touch points was like seven or eight. And I think that this is something that you really need to keep in mind when you're putting these ad strategies in place and you're putting these different sort of marketing tactics in place. You need to say, okay, well, how am I gonna make this 360? How am I gonna respond to the omni-channel customer who is going to be looking to interact with my brand on my site, maybe in my email, maybe, you know, across social media, maybe, you know, in my in my organic search. Like how how many times are you gonna show up? How many times are you gonna get in front of their eyes? And how many times is that really gonna take in order for them to purchase from you? So I definitely, I can't agree more. I think this is a, an amazing thing to think about. Yeah, and on that note, as you had mentioned, um, I think, uh, 
oftentimes people are wondering, uh, especially when they're setting up a Facebook campaign, what conversion they should care about. Um, you know, is it add to cart? Is it purchase? Is it view product page? Like there's, there's various activation levels and it can be quite confusing to identify which ones you're really going for. I mean, certainly you want bottom line revenue, uh, but I found in my experience that some of the ecosystems that work the best are when you have different levels of the funnel focusing on different activation events. So for retargeting, for example, I would be very much caring about the bottom line purchases aspect, right? My retargeting campaign should be driving purchases, um, or at least the ones that, that I've set to do so. Uh, prospecting, I actually care less about purchases and more about are they acquiring add to carts cost effectively? Because I know that if I can, you know, fuel my my retargeting system with cost effective add to carts, that my retargeting system will pick up the slack and turn them into purchases. Uh, so just keeping each of those stages in mind and, you know, when you're looking, you know, if you launch a new audience and launch a new, a new creative to a new audience, if you're not seeing direct purchases, it doesn't mean that it's not working. You could very much have traction and people are just taking a longer time to consider it. If you're driving very cost effective add to carts, that's like a fantastic sign for prospecting. And then it's about following up messaging and saying, okay, great. You know, you're, you're in the bucket. Like, let's continue the conversation and, 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 and get you to like check out. So. I like that both of them agreed on uh, the fact that your customers need to be educated uh, as they move through the funnel. Uh, it was interesting what Whitney was mentioning about the touch points, um, what obviously Ed was mentioning about uh, retargeting campaigns, which is something that they will continue talking about in, in the rest of the, uh, of the panel. But there's something that I wanted to bring up real quick, which was to talk about influencer marketing. Um, Obviously, influencer marketing, uh, it's somewhat related to referrals. So it's something that us internally at Referral Candy, uh, we see pretty much every day. But I wanted to get their opinion on this. And so I asked Whitney, because I know Whitney is actually an expert on this field. So I wanted to ask her about influencer marketing. What were her thoughts about it um, before we continue talking about other marketing strategies that uh, e-commerce owners need to put into practice um, in their, on their online store? So here's what uh, Whitney said about influencer marketing. Absolutely. I, You know what? Thank you for jogging my memory. I mean, aside from the... The little blank out I had earlier, I actually wrote an ebook on um, influencer marketing and and how best to use those tactics for content marketing for e-commerce. And one of the biggest tips that I found super useful for this was um, in going for the mid-sized influencers, because a lot of the larger influencers, number one, they're going to be more expensive. You're going to have to offer them more. Number two. Um, What's interesting is when you go for a mid-sized influencer, not only will they have, they'll have a decent community, a decent following, but also a super good engagement rate. A lot of the larger influencers will tend to have maybe a 50% and sometimes lower engagement rate and active users. And uh, I think these stats were from Instagram specifically. A mid-sized influencer is likely to be followed by other mid-sized influencers. So if you have a mid-sized influencer, who is sharing your product, who is you know, respected and, and kind of the expert in your lifestyle field, going back to what you were talking about, Ed, um, kind of more of a lifestyle influencer who's followed by other lifestyle influencers. I mean, this is going to give you a lot more credibility and it's gonna, it's gonna work a lot better for your content strategy. Absolutely. 
So as you can see, we spent quite a while talking about uh, marketing tactics that merchants can put into practice. Um, Whitney focused uh, more on content marketing strategy and how to develop a content strategy that makes sense for your brand. Uh, Ed was mostly focusing on uh, dynamic retargeting and the importance and, and what's the value that you can get from it. Uh, but before we finish with this section of the, of the panel, which we actually spend almost 30 minutes talking about, um, I asked them to uh, give me ideas that are always worth trying for merchants. And this is what they said. Some uh, other tactics that come to mind um, yeah. outside of retargeting and, and influencer marketing. Uh, I'm not sure where we're at in time. So I'm just going to like throw some of these out here just so people can like, you know, have them. <laughs> it, was actually, uh, it was actually my next question. So that's, that's great. We're following it. Great. Um, yeah. So definitely the important things are that like almost always work, I think, or, or almost always worth trying is abandoned cart drips. Um, don't ever just send one email. You're missing out. It's free to send emails usually. I mean, uh, so if you're going to send one email, send three. Like it's, it never hurts to, to follow up with those who haven't opened or haven't clicked or haven't purchased. Uh, abandoned cart emails are huge. Uh, I often find that email is quite a revenue driver for a lot of e-commerce stores. Uh, actually, I had a, a colleague one time, he had a great analogy, but email he mentioned is basically like a, a slot machine. Whereas if you have a solid email list, basically every time you email, you're pulling that slot machine and seeing what comes out. Uh, so it's quite valuable. Um, one email tactic in particular uh, that I found works very well is non-subscriber activation. So you might find that you, if you have a list of 5,000 emails, that 2,000 of them might have never purchased. Um, which, I mean, that, that tells you alone that they need a dedicated messaging. So setting up an automation to trigger maybe 120 days after they've joined but have not yet purchased, uh, calling out and giving them a discount. I, even if you're really opposed to discounts, know that like if you don't get if you don't activate them, literally they're not they're not helping you at all. So only for the people maybe that have joined your list and haven't purchased anything, and it's been months. Those would be great people to just say, look, I'll throw you a 20% discount because getting anything out of these people is better than just nothing and having them pollute your email list. Because if the more unactive people you have on your email list, the worse your lookalikes are going to be uh, and the worse, the worse your overall like engagement reporting is going to be and you have a, a worse sense of really who you're playing with. Um, some other things would be Google Shopping uh, is huge. I've, I found really great success with Google Shopping. Uh, just make sure to actually, I would check out Brain Labs. They're really like experts in the field of Google PBC, Google Shopping. Um, our company had the pleasure of actually, like, we brought someone from from this from Brain Labs in and, and really upped our expertise in this field. Which I, I, you know, if you can reach out to people, experts, uh, you know, definitely get that information. But Google Shopping is very valuable especially if you use the right priority settings, you'll find that in the Google ads platform, there's like high priority, medium priority, low priority. So just make sure to do some research and figure out how best to leverage those. Cause once you do, it can be very powerful. Um, some other segmentations would be gender segmentation. You'll often find that genders react differently to your ads. So make sure to consider gender segmentation when you're running these things in your messaging and your targeting. Um, and something else to consider is, that e-commerce is unique. It's not just about getting the right product to the right person. It, luckily, it has this other aspect to it where it can be a gift. So there is often search intent around gifts. Like how, you know, are people searching for 
unique X, Y, and Z? Are they searching for like, you know, gifts for my boyfriend, gifts for this, that, and the other thing. Like, so look up search intent that's around gifting your product and you might find that you can have traction there. It might be easier traction because people are often willing to, are more willing to kind of try you if it's a gift rather than if it's for themselves. Now that was a great idea. <laughs> I was I was really surprised about it. Uh, I was not expecting it, and, and it actually makes a lot of sense because when we run uh, Facebook ad campaigns, we tend to think of okay, let's describe our perfect customer and let's bring it to our store. But obviously, here we're thinking about wait a second. Let's go after people that might buy something, but not for them, for a friend, and so. If Facebook, uh, which obviously Facebook, it's a it's the best tool for for targeting. Um, Facebook allows you to identify people whose friends are having birthdays coming up, or if you uh, maybe can uh, identify people based on behavior, like someone who's going on a trip or someone who uh, might be going to a concert in three months, whatever it is. If you can identify these people and run a campaign specifically for them, that's that's going to be a killer because you are running a very specific uh, campaign for these people and you're actually going after uh, potential customers, not only because they fit your criteria in terms of um, age, location, no, because they are about to do something with their lives that it's going to make them more open to buy something from your store. So always keep this in mind and try to outsmart your competitors when you're running a campaign. And so uh, before we uh, finish with this first part of the online panel, there will be a second part, uh, another episode where we discuss the rest of the uh, of the ideas that both Ed and Whitney uh, brought into the table. I want to finish this episode with mistakes. So they've both worked with hundreds of merchants. They've seen a lot of case studies. And so I wanted to ask them, what are mistakes that merchants usually make so you can prevent them? Here's what they said. Um, I think that's a good question. I think that, um, like I said earlier, one of the biggest mistakes that I often see is people not putting their differentiation factor out there or not putting their wow factor out there. And I think that that is something that's really, it's too bad. Uh, I spend a lot of time on, uh, for example, e-commerce, um, the subreddit e-commerce on Reddit. And it's a lot of people who are asking, okay, can you can you evaluate my site? Can you tell me if you would purchase from me, can you tell me what's wrong with my site? And a lot of times it's people who are, for example, drop shipping and they are on Shopify or they're on PrestaShop. They've got a basic store and it looks okay. I mean, it looks fine and these stores look great right out of the box, but um, there's nothing that would make me purchase from them outside of any of the thousands and thousands and thousands of other stores. So I think that that's a huge issue. I think that another mistake that I see a lot is, um, people not having a very clear funnel. And this could be as simple, this could be for regular B2C e-commerce or even sort of your B2B e-commerce solutions or, or anything like this. If you don't have a clear funnel and you don't have a clear call to action, for example, like people are, your customers aren't gonna know what to do. And I think that that is something that when you're starting out, when you're just launching your store, it's not something you think about unless you're you know a marketer. You don't, you don't think about doing these sort of things, but you have to ask people like ask them to purchase your product. Make sure that they know that that's the message they're supposed to receive. And I think that's you know something that I see a lot of sort of newbie, newbie mix-ups, newbie errors. Um, and I think that uh, 
also, I mean, when you're starting, when you're first starting out, when you're talking about marketing strategy and what's, you know, underestimated, I think that a great content strategy, I mean, again, I'm going to talk about content all day because that's what I do, but a great content strategy is really something that's underestimated in terms of what can actually do for you. Um, and I think that not, it's, it's not just, you know, creating content just to create it again, like I said earlier, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but go back to your product, go back to your customer, go back to your persona and make sure that your content serves a purpose. Make sure that, you know, you're, you're actually building a strategy around it and distributing it properly. And I mean, do the research, every, all this information's out there, do your homework, make sure you know what you're doing or get somebody who does. And I think that's definitely one of the things that's underestimated today. Um, I think that Ed is really like on the money when it comes to remarketing as well. I don't think that people look into this enough. I think that we talk about personalizing an experience that a customer has at your store. And I think that remarketing is something that can really take that to another level. For example, somebody's on your site, they put um, a green shirt into their into their cart and then they bounce. They say, okay, I'm gonna leave that for later. And they, they leave your site. You When you send that retargeting email, it should have the green shirt in there. Say, hey, you forgot this. Show it to them. Show them the product that made them fall in love in the first place. Personalize the experience, absolutely. Um, so I'm definitely, I'd love to hear more about what you have to say about this, Ed. Yeah, I think, I mean, to reiterate your points, um, certainly simplicity. Um, so the e-commerce stores I've found to be not just successful, but have the easiest success, right? It's always a struggle to, to find growth with the company. The ones I've found have to be the easiest to grow are the e-commerce stores that are extremely simple. Uh, less clicks, the better. So the, the, the e-commerce stores that have categories and have, uh, you know, 600 products or 100 products or, or 50 products, uh, you, it's harder It's harder because there's distractions, there's, there's a lot of things going on. Whereas if you can specialize and maybe choose four products that are your top sellers, uh, and ideally if they like relate to a specific, um, you know, a specific category or something, then, then like just hone in on what you're good at and don't try to cover all the bases. Uh, again, like the e-commerce stores that I've seen the most success with are the simplest, even if it's one product, right? Someone lands on a page, the next step is add to cart and the next step is purchase. You can't get any simpler, you can't get any easier and they're the ones that have the strongest traction, hands down. Uh, not the ones where you have to sort through, ooh, do I wanna be over here, do I wanna be over there, do I wanna be here, what do they got over here? They got bestsellers, they got, they got customer favorites, they got seasonal, they got on sale, they got this, that and the other thing. Uh, simplicity is key. And that's it for our episode today. I really hope that you can put all these ideas into practice, especially now that we're approaching the holiday season. And you can also start getting more referral sales on your online store. Think about all the new customers you're about to acquire on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Christmas. Wouldn't it be great if they could refer you to their friends? Well, the answer is yes. And all you have to do is go to referralcandy.com, sign up and try us for 30 days free of charge. And to all of you, thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye-bye.